0: You're listening to Straight from the Heart, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Our teacher here on Straight from the Heart is Senior Pastor Joe Foch. We're currently in the New Testament going verse by verse through the book of Mark. On today's broadcast, we'll continue our study beginning in chapter 10. Before we finish, I'll give you some additional information so you can contact us with any questions or comments. But first, open your Bible to Mark chapter 10, and let's join Pastor Joe as he continues.
1: We have come to verse 23. Verse 22 in chapter 10 tells us that the rich young ruler left went away grieved. He was sad for he had great possessions. Jesus, Mark alone tells us, looked at him and loved him. He had made huge proper decisions in his life, hard decisions, right decisions, good decisions. And yet now before Christ, he's saying, what else do I lack? I've, I've been religious. I'm Wealthy, I'm successful, I'm empty, what lack I yet? Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, Go, sell that thou hast, give to the poor. Come and follow me, great will be your reward in heaven. And it says, Upon hearing that, he was sad and he went away. No doubt the disciples, looking at his back as he's walking slowly away, Verse 23 says, And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, so they're watching this man walk away, dejected. And Christ, the the grammar tells us, he spins around and he looks at them because there's something he wants to say to them. He says, How hardly, how difficult is it, shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom? How difficult, not impossible, but how difficult is it for those who have the riches of this world to enter into the kingdom. I mean, Abraham was wealthy, David was wealthy, Solomon was wealthy, Joseph was wealthy. There are many who had entered in wealthy, but he says how difficult it is. And the disciples were astonished. The idea is they're, they're, they're beyond shaken beyond reason at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, children, calls them technon, little children, how hard it is for them King James says, that trust enriches. You may have a gloss in your column that says, not in the best manuscripts. And that's, I don't like it when they do that. This is definitely fitting. It's in the text. It's in the majority text. It's in Alexandrinus. It's in, in so many of the ones they brag about. Um, 04, 05, 02, in case you're out there. It's in all of those and the majority text. And it fits, it fits this. How hard is it for them? They're looking at this man's back, walk away that trust enriches to enter the kingdom of God. They're amazed. They're astonished at what he says. How hard is it for those with great difficulty? Because, again, Hebrew theology was that prosperity was a sign of divine blessing. And the Old Testament upheld that. If you keep my ordinances, you keep my laws, you walk on my statutes, I'll bless you. If you turn away in rebellion and so forth, then the the rain won't come. Your crops won't be successful. Your animals and your wives will be barren and so forth. So there, there was a correlation between prosperity and God's divine blessing. So as Jesus says, how hard, with what difficulty will those that are wealthy enter into the kingdom? says the disciples are astonished at what he says. And then he qualifies it and he says, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. By the way, twice in the Babylonian Talmud, it mentions it's more difficult for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. Uh, In the Quran, it mentions how difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Uh, There are those who say this was a small gate in the wall of Jerusalem, and after dark, at a certain time, uh, the gates of the city would be shut to keep the city safe, but there was this small gate where a human could fit through, and you could get a camel through if you took all of the stuff off of him, put his head through, and one guy was pulling on one end, the other guy was pushing on the other end, you could get the camel through. And that's saying, you know, if I huff and puff and blow this house down, I can squeeze into the kingdom of God. That's not what's being said here. Matthew and Mark specifically use the word needle, that's the word needle for needle and thread, which was a sewing needle. Luke, the physician, uses a surgical needle. When he says, through the eye of a needle. Just get it in the proper perspective. How difficult is it to get a camel through the eye of a sewing needle? That's where we are with this. And he's, saying, he's talking about the impossibility, the difficulty of it. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. With is your operative word there, para, alongside of, in step with, accompanying with. You know, the paracletus, the one who comes alongside, it says alongside of men, in step with men, accompanying men, it is impossible, but not accompanying God, not with God, not alongside of God. For alongside of God in this journey, accompanying him, all things are possible. And Peter, it's about time he chimed in, isn't it? Peter began to say unto him, well, lo, we have left all, it means to abandon, we have left all and followed thee, and the sense is once and for all. Peter's hearing, you know, that this rich young ruler, if he leaves what he has, he'll have great treasure, Jesus said, you'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross, follow me. Peter's listening to this whole thing, and he says, "Hey, Lord, we left everything once and for all I mean they he had a fairly lucrative fishing business, James and John had a very lucrative fishing business. Matthew was a tax collector. they had left all to follow him, and it's 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 in the heis once and for all, they had left it behind. they had abandoned now Peter says that, but of course. After the resurrection, when Jesus doesn't come to Galilee as fast as they want him to, Peter goes back to the fishing business. But here he's saying, we've left once and for all. It's Peter. He's saying, we have left all and followed thee. The idea is, what are we going to get out of this? And Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, there is no man that had left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. Now he does something very interesting here. If you'll notice the way verse 29 is written, Verily I say unto you, please take note of the oars. There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake. It's a specific... Greek construction that is putting an emphasis on each one of those. They're not just a line of things. Jesus realizes that there are those who have set aside one of or more of these things very specifically. So he says unto us and to us this evening, there is no one that has left a house, and some of them us have had to have moved out. We've we've had to leave. We've left something behind in regards to a house or brethren A family. We feel very separated because our family is not born again. They may be religious, but there's a division. And that's an individual story that could take up volumes in one life. Or sisters. How hard to be separated from a sister, someone you're raised with. Or brothers. There's a division, and you love your brother and pray for your brother. Your heart is broken. Or father or mother, each one of these is to be thought of individually, or wife, sometimes a, a family is split up over Christ, or children, or lands. For my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive a hundredfold. First, now in this time, houses, now he puts the word and in to emphasize the giving back, houses, houses, you're not just going to get one house, you're going to get houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, plural, and children, and lands, yes, with persecutions, we're in this world, and in the world to come, eternal life. There's anybody that's going to lose the reward. And and certainly in verse 30, he's talking about the family of God. I, I love the verse... In in Isaiah, I believe it is, where's the Psalms? It says, the Lord puts the solitary in flocks. You know, that he takes us, the family of God, brothers, sisters, he's multiplied them in my life, and I know in your life, if you're genuine. He's given houses, he's given family, he's given brothers, sisters, mothers in the Lord. I've had more than one mother in the Lord. I've had a number of older women that have loved Kathy and I and prayed for us and made it their personal work to be on their knees every day for us that have always checked in. How are you doing? How are the kids? What can we pray for? Mothers, plural. I'm thankful my mom is saved. Certainly she prays for us, but mothers, isn't that interesting? and children, lands, plural. Yes, with persecutions, now in this time, he begins, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first, and I assume he's speaking of Israel, shall be last, and the last, the Gentiles and many believers, shall be first. And they were in the way, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and notice, they were amazed... And as they followed, they were afraid. It was very specific. They're on their way up to Jerusalem. They're crossing over, coming to Jericho, the Jordan River. The pilgrims are heading to Jerusalem. Whenever you went to Jerusalem, if you headed south from Galilee, you still went up to Jerusalem. If you came from the south towards the north, you went up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's elevation was 2,530 feet, something like that, about 80 foot below the Mount of Olives. But whether you were coming from any direction, you were always going up to Jerusalem. There was a spiritual truth about it, and literally, they're going to go from down by the Dead Sea, the lowest place on the face of the earth, up to Jerusalem, uh, about, again, 2,500 foot above sea level. So, they're going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is, you know, the, the Greek, he's going before them, and they were amazed as they followed, they're afraid. There's something about his meter, there's something about his step, there's something about his demeanor now. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. He knows death and crucifixion is awaiting him, that, uh, him and he's out in front of the rest. He's leading his little flock, and he's leading the people that will follow him, and there's something about the way he's walking. There's something about his pace. There's something about the way he's answering them at this point in time. It says they're amazed and they're afraid. Something new in his step, something new about his attitude as they speak to him. They were afraid. And he took again the 12. And he he doesn't just let them afraid. He's going to take them. And he began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold. Now think about this. I want you to consider this. We go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered. He's going to be betrayed. Unto the chief priests. Unto the scribes they shall condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Because the Jews could not put Jesus to death. 20 years before this, the Romans had made it illegal for the Jews to execute the death sentence. So only the Romans could execute someone. 20 years before this, We're told by Josephus in the Talmud that when they had made it illegal to execute the death sentence, the high priest went through the streets of Jerusalem weeping, saying that the word of God had been broken. Because Genesis 49 said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. And they understood the scepter, the right to rule, was the right to execute the death sentence, And the high priest felt the right has been taken away from us to rule, and Shiloh has not come, and the word of God has been broken. And little did he know, in a carpenter shop in Nazareth, Jehovah God was sweating and planing wood and sawing and working and pleasing his father so much so that at the baptism, The spirit would descend like a dove and the voice of the father would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am already well pleased. Hadn't preached a sermon, hadn't done a miracle. Worked in a carpenter shop. They're going to hand me over to the Gentiles, he says, to be put to death. And they, the Gentiles, shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Imagine what is in the step of Christ, what is in the mind of Christ, what is the look on his face, what is the tone of his voice. There is not a single surprise waiting for him in Jerusalem. He knows it all, step by step, layer by layer, tear by tear, drop of blood by drop of blood, spitting by spitting, stroke by stroke. None of it is hidden from him. And he set his face like a flint, It's the work that the Father had given him to do from eternity. And they see the difference. He takes them aside. He begins to speak to them clearly and plainly of of these things. Luke tells us they still don't get it. Luke, when he interviewed them, must have said, and did you get it then? They must have said, no, we still didn't get it. And we can see that here because James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him and say, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. We're going to ask you a question, and we want you to say yes before we tell you what it is. You raised kids, didn't you? Matthew tells us that they get their mother to talk to him, Salome, Mary, the mother of our Lord, her sister. So, James and John, Jesus's cousins. And again, you know, if you're called the sons of thunder, you don't get your mom to do your stuff for you. You know, it's just, you know, what kind of stuff is that? You know, sons of thunder seems like they should talk for themselves. And they're part of the process. We're gonna ask you something and we want you to say yes before we tell you what it is. Whatever we ask you, we want you to do it for us. And Jesus <laughs> says, what would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and to the scribes. They're going to condemn him to death. They're going to give him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit upon him and kill him. The third day is gonna rise again. And they said, Lord, grant that we might sit on your right. They're in a completely different place. Their mind is somewhere completely different. Now, Jesus had said, those of you who have followed me in the regeneration will sit upon 12 thrones. And maybe that's still in their mind, but they're still thinking about forsaking all and receiving reward in heaven and Jesus has them in a completely different place here. But Jesus said unto them, verse 38, You know, uh, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, Sure. <laughs> they had no idea, obviously. And as we get to Gethsemane, we will talk more about the cup. The cup that he would drink of, the terrible cup, if there's any way, Father, let this cup pass. Psalm 78, Jeremiah 23, 25, Revelation 14, the cup of God's wrath poured out without admixture, the smoke of the torment of that cup ascends forever and forever. Little do we know, and in the ages to come, we will still be learning of his mercy and of his grace. The cup that he would drink Because herein is the love of God, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the place where wrath is satisfied, the propitiation for our sins, the cup, the cup. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Or are you gonna be plunged into, baptized in what I'm gonna be plunged into? They said, oh yeah, sure. And Jesus said to them, well, you shall drink of the cup that I drink of. Now, they would be persecuted. They would be martyred. They would not, in their death and in their suffering, pay for anyone else's sin. There's a vast difference. They would fellowship in the sufferings of Christ, but you and I, when we're persecuted, when we suffer for the name of Christ, it's not in a propitiatory sense. We're not paying for anyone else's sin, but we're in the fellowship of the sufferings for his sake, and he says, and you shall be baptized with, the, with, with all, um, with my baptism, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them, notice this, for whom it is already prepared. Isn't that interesting? Who had it already been prepared for, to sit on the right hand? And, and in their culture, and in their day, to sit on the right hand of the king was the second most powerful position in the kingdom. To sit on the left hand of the king was the third most powerful position in the kingdom. Maybe they're thinking, come on, cuz, you know, let's keep this in the family. These other guys, you know, they don't care. You know, if this is gonna be your kingdom, you can trust us, our moms, our sisters. No, we should we should keep this thing right in the family. He says, you don't know what you're asking, It's not mine to give. And notice this, verse 41, when the 10 heard it, now they've been the 12 up until now. Now they're the 10 and the (laughs) 2. When the 10 heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And I'm sure Peter is too, because he's normally part of that crew and he's left out it tells us in Matthew that there's indignation, that a heated argument starts. Jesus just poured out the deepest and most detailed description of his passion in Jerusalem. He is so somber about it, they're amazed as they follow him, and they're fearful. Ten minutes later, these guys are fighting with each other about who's the greatest, Who's going to send us? Who do you guys think you are? Just because you know your cousins? Well, yeah, we well, didn't take you in amount of Transfiguration, did you? Well, what did happen up there? Well, we can't tell you that. But we'll tell you know. Just you know, you can imagine what's going on. And and Jesus looks at them. He says, "You know, they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles—they were under Roman rule. They understood exercise lordship over them." and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Now look, Jesus doesn't say to them, don't seek greatness in the kingdom. Again, would to God all of us had a desire to seek greatness in the kingdom. He doesn't say don't do that. He says, here's how it's done. It works a different way than worldly government whoever among you he says who will be great among you shall be your minister diakonos the servant and whosoever you who will be the chiefest the greatest servant shall be your servant your doulos you slave so he says in the kingdom of God If you want to be great, the minister, you'll be a servant. And if you want to be the chiefest of servants, you'll be the slave of all.
0: That concludes our teaching time here on Straight from the Heart. If you enjoyed today's message from Mark chapter 10 and would like to hear it again in its entirety, you can listen to it on our website for free at www.ccphilly.org. Just go to our homepage and click on listen to current messages, then select straight from the heart and click on the study with today's date. Today's message number is SPM 543. That's SPM 543. You can also listen to today's teaching from Mark chapter 10 or any other message from Genesis to Revelation by downloading our free app on your tablet or mobile device. Just go to your app store and search for Calvary Chapel Philadelphia or go to our website and click the link for the mobile app. In addition to our app, you can also study the Bible with Pastor Joe by subscribing to our Straight from the Heart radio podcast available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or maybe would like to let us know how the Lord has blessed you through Pastor Joe's teaching, we'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to contact us by email at radio at ccphilly.org. That's radio at ccphilly.org. For more information on this broadcast or Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, don't forget to visit our website at ccphilly.org. While you're visiting our website, make sure you check out our Daily Devotions page. By subscribing to Daily Devotions with Pastor Joe, you can receive a short, encouraging video message every weekday morning in your email. If you prefer not to use email, you can also find Daily Devotions with Pastor Joe on our free app or by subscribing to our Daily Devos podcast. Thanks for listening and remember to join us next time as we continue with more great Bible teaching that comes straight from the heart.